Matthias Bincher, welcome to Heinz Hall and the Pittsburgh Symphony. We're at the symphony. We're in the conductor's dressing room. Here we are backstage. You've just finished a rehearsal a few minutes ago. I heard it went very well today. They're fabulous. It's, it's such a joy to bring this very colorful program to the symphony and the public here. Um, big program, lots of notes, but lots of beautiful colors, French, timbres, uh, Bartok with a phenomenal violinist, Alexei, very well known by the orchestra. Um, yeah, it has been so far a very, very wonderful and warm one and a half days with the orchestra, and um, I'm much looking forward to those two concerts this weekend. You spent some time in Cleveland almost two decades ago. It's been a little while now. Did you ever make it down to Pittsburgh when you were up in Cleveland? It's not too far away. It's my first time in Pittsburgh, I, I have to admit. Uh, Cleveland, I've been going to for yeah almost 20 years, or basically 20 years. It was the first uh, orchestra here in the States that I had the honor to, to conduct. And um, yeah, I love them very, very dearly. And yes, it, I, I think I can say it has informed somewhat also my sonic thinking as a musician yeah and that entails the composer and the conductor and the the tutor the program curator all these things and the cleveland orchestra is is always somewhere here in my in this system in my body in my brain but now ohio because cincinnati too you you've had uh, time as uh, artist in residence there yeah another orchestra that i i really love very very dearly and we met a few seasons ago and um not that it only went well. I mean, that's always what we say. Did it go well? Yes, it went well. Or yeah, it was okay. It it was more. We really strongly connected on on many levels. I mean, it's it's a very European thinking and operating city. Cincinnati. I'm talking about um, German Jewish roots. Very very visible and audible in the tradition. It's an orchestra that's immensely inspired and inspiring, uh, respectful for the text, um, like the Pittsburgh Orchestra, like the Cleveland Orchestra, where we really talk about the book and what's in the book. And it's not about what the orchestra likes or the conductor likes, it's what the composer wrote. And I noticed this here too in Pittsburgh from the very first second, we could, you know, just make this connection over sharing insights and the requirements of the score. And it's not that the conductor maybe likes the second trombone to play a little stronger. You know, I just, I become the best possible advocate for for the score. And uh, this we have been doing here in the last two days. For Pittsburgh, Bartok with Alexei Kenny, Debussy, La Mer, Ravel, and Debussy too. You mentioned it's a big program. No pincher on this program. When will we hear your music? We'll see what the future what the future brings, but um, the connection is there with the orchestra. Let's see what the future brings, but maybe, yeah, a pitcher at some point, uh, of course. <laughs> well, I want to ask you just a little about your music in a few minutes, but tell me about the, the program. Uh, wow, the French music is so great, all of it, delicious. These, these are pieces that we love. Uh, Debussy, La Mer, Mother Goose, oh my, Alba Rada del Grazioso, makes a terrific ending. Bravo. I love hearing you talk about it, and I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you're even dared to say delicious. And yes, it is exquisite. It's absolutely beautifully orchestrated. It really features an orchestra wonderfully um, with all the, the, the solo parts that it entails, but also as 
a whole collective sonic um, identity and uh, this orchestra breathes very naturally and I think the acoustics are wonderful. They're generous enough but have still clarity and there's a roundness uh, that the acoustics provide and it's very much you know embraced by the style of, of the orchestra. So I think um, it was a wonderful idea to bring French music to, to Pittsburgh and I love the colors and I love to you know play it with the ear that we have and you know, we apply naturally the ear when we play a Brahms symphony or a Beethoven symphony and here it works equally well with this complex but extremely colorful French repertoire. Well, you mentioned the colors and we have the delicacy of the French music, but how did you get the ear for the special French sound? When we had William Steinberg as music director here, he loved La, La Mer and did it a lot, but some players said it was more Das Mer than La Mer. You know, there was a Germanic quality to it, but I think in the meantime, maybe we've gotten beyond that. I, I personally have always been very attracted to French culture. I, I left my country, Germany, when I was 16 and studied in England, lived a little bit in Israel, but then um, installed myself in, in France, in Paris, and lived there for a major part of my life and still have a job there with the Ensemble Intercontemporain. So um, I dream in French. <laughs> um, and I've played a lot of French music because I simply have a very strong affinity. And by, by doing it more and more and often enough you 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 start to understand this well the requirements of the space that that music has you know a 4/4 four, four bar is not necessarily played as a 4/4 four, four bar how we would play a, a beethoven symphony it breathes you you follow the colors and i think also if i analyze me interpreting those French scores, those masterworks, I, I think nowadays I allow a little more time also for everything to unfold than 15 or 20 years ago. All these colors need time to breathe. It's like when you really want to make a statement like me now talking to you, you just slow down a little bit and it becomes more colorful. It's the same thing with the French music. Alexi Kenny, Bartok Concerto number two. He's on fire. He's a gem, he's a sunshine, he's such a phenomenal and complete musician and how he's really becoming this, what's the word, a prism of sound and articulation that he exuberates and sends out but also absorbs. So he's really, yeah, he's a, he's a transformator. I mean, it's like he, he, he is so charged with sound, but also he plays with the ear and is unbelievably flexible. And it's an extremely tricky and complex score, that um, second concerto by Bartok. And he delivers, he delivers it to us and me on the silver plate. He makes it very easy because everything he does is organic. And by, by saying that, um, what I mean by saying is that the score has notated all those rubatos where the tempo is like being held back or pushed and tempo switches every three, four bars. And within those switches, you have to be most natural and organic because if you add drip even more rubato in those transitions, it wouldn't work. And he understands that so, so well. And it's the first time 
we are collaborating and working together and it's a it's a pure delight there's so much mutual um understanding and yeah ease ease in between the two of us so it's an absolute delight had you crossed paths in new york uh, you're at juilliard a lot yes yes we have met in in new york and we have a lot of common friends and uh, hung out before but we never shared music so i'm very happy this is happening here and now and for someone who's hearing the Bartok Second for the first time, what would you say to prepare them to ease their mind? This is 20th century music, you know, for some people it's a little bit, uh, mm, well, I like Bartok, I don't know. It's a little bit what? <laughs> <laughs> Scary. <laughs> it's, it's, it's music that has been really written on the verge of entering modernism, absolutely. There's a lot of um, special techniques that, someone has used for the first time um, uh, but also like the the landscape that he builds is deeply and truly rooted still in folk music of eastern europe and it's music that dances and that grooves so um if you just allow yourself to groove with what you hear i mean you will have a beautiful stroll through this garden that we're you know we have planted for you and um i think anyway like what Alexi does with the score is completely irresistible. So um, I, I'm sure you will appreciate and enjoy some very happy listening. <laughs> Please tell us a little bit about you. We are meeting you for the first time here at Heinzhol. Marl, North Rhine, Detmold, Germany, Hans Werner. Hence, uh, tell us a little of your path, please. Well, I mean, um, I'll try to be very, very short, but I, I was a violin player and played the piano and percussion a little bit. And I started conducting when I was very young, 15, and I had the opportunity to stand in front of my own youth symphony orchestra where I was the leader of the second violins. And I started, I mean, I wouldn't call it conducting at this point, but, you know, to touch sound with my brain and my body. And that was a very powerful initiation to really think about what music is and made me instantly think about also writing my thoughts into this instrument of the orchestra so i was not necessarily writing myself a little violin sonatina but i was studying scores and i started to write orchestral pieces when i was 15 and 16 and uh, since then the orchestra has stayed a, a very strong fascination for me with its complexity that it entails and just to make sure that every single player and every instrument has a substantial and essential function in this mosaic of this entity of an orchestra so this is what i'm doing i'm composing i'm i'm uh, i'm conducting i'm interpreting i'm teaching i have run and do run festivals so it's all the same for me basically i mean the, this desire to communicate music and communicate through music, all that, what is beyond words. Hans Werner Henze, a memory? How long did you have a chance to work with him? I met him for the first time I was 19, and uh, he instantly looked at the scores and looked at me and looked at the score and looked at me and said, let's have dinner. And then the next day he gave me my first paid commission. I think I was 19 years old or 20 years old, and he invited me to... Uh, Umbria, Montepulciano, where he had his summer festival, and I wrote my first violin solo piece, and um, I was super excited to spend a few weeks with him in, you know, his chosen home turf in Italy, and see his 
generosity. Um, he was a Baroque person. He was outpouring ideas and music and initiatives. And I was very inspired by seeing someone that is so interested in the diversity of people and who they are. So I think this has clearly informed myself or even encouraged me to be that what I think I am. I'm a people's person too. I love connecting. I love talking about what we do, talking in our beliefs and talking about failing and just, you know, aim for transparency as a, as a human. And I think Hans has uh, lived that uh, in a very admirable, uh, powerful way. Hans Werner Hensel was also a wild man, a revolutionary, caused outrage. The Cuban flag, uh, uh, his Cuban politics, Che Guevara, uh, riots, all kinds of crazy things happened during his uh, height, height of fame. And uh, these days uh, we see him with a more measured view, I guess. Well, good for him. I mean, wonderful that, you know, you could, could still cause riots through you know having political ideas in art or conveying them through through artistic uh, ideas um he, he is a personality a little bit like you know picasso going through different phases but it, it was always handsome you know picasso had the pink phase and the blue phase and the cubistic phase and, but it's always picasso and the same thing applies to hans Werner hansen someone who has tried all these different styles and coming out of you know cons constructivist period right after the war and trying to really organize uh, music, 12-tone, na-na-na. And then he, you know, he liberated himself again from that and tried everything and I think did it pretty successfully. Um, yeah, he was a strong inspiration with that aggressively open mindset that he had. We only have a minute or two to discuss your work. Please tell me what our radio listeners should hear of your pieces. You have a vast catalog now. Many recordings exist of your music, and you're about to have a new piece premiered, or maybe it's already been done, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water was a piece that I wrote in the darkest and most dire times of COVID. Uh, we're talking about March 2020, and I was completely stuck in New York City at home. Uh, not traveling anymore, and I received a phone call from two of my closest friends uh, nowadays, uh, Daniel Barnboim and Emmanuel Pahu, the solo flutist of the Berlin Philharmonic, and they were initiating a series of chamber music that they commissioned from living composers and recorded them to stream them. And Barnboim called me and said, would you like to write something for us? And then Emmanuel said, please include me and then we, we go all, all, all the way back and know each other for a long time. And I always wanted to write a trio for flute, viola and harp, like the, the setting that Debussy has mastered so beautifully. And they approved and then that night I listened totally randomly. One of my composition students sent me a few like um, songs that uh, she loved and that was uh, Paul Simon the Bridge Over Troubled Waters and I was so deeply moved by the, the velvety sound of Paul Simon's voice in the very beginning it sounds like a viola and that all, all of a sudden this my piece started to come out of this and the despair but also you know, to feel hope in, in, in this beautiful song uh, inspired me to 
right my trio and staying in the same mood mindset than the Paul Simon song. I mean, there's no quotations. It has nothing to do with what you hear in the Paul Simon song. But it, the whole atmosphere, the ambience has inspired me to conceive that that trio. And I've written chamber music, but uh, as I said earlier, I mean, the instrument, uh, the orchestra is mainly my instrument. I've written a lot of concertos and for our listeners out here, um, Google away, uh, YouTube away, <laughs> and uh, see what you find. Uh, it's it's music that I think breathes some sort of a French context. I'm very much intrigued by what a color is, uh, a timbre, and also a human timbre and color within a complex orchestration. But... There is no guidance to listen to to any music. I mean, I can't tell you how to listen to Monteverdi. I can't tell you how to listen to a Dvorak symphony. I mean, the wonderful thing is that it's actually beyond the words. And music, you know, speaks very directly. And that's also maybe sometimes because why it's more, as you said, more challenging to listen to music because we can't walk away. If you go to a museum, you can you keep walking when there's an image, a, a painting that you don't appreciate that much, you just keep walking. Or with the TV, we just zap through channels. But with music, you make that commitment to go to the symphony, maybe even put some nice clothes on, buy a ticket, be there on time, take your girlfriend out for dinner after. So, I mean, this is all, it's a ritual. And I think it's beautiful to understand that all of us that program those works and perform those works and work on the craft of our instruments lifelong we really mean this what we play for you and i think it's always wonderful to come in with a curious mind and listen to any music with the emotions and sensations and experiences that you have we play the music for you we're not telling you what you should feel you are yourself deeply by listening to music and that's what makes it so powerful and unique just days after leaving Pittsburgh, you will receive the most important prize for new music, the Polar Music Prize in Stockholm, your ensemble intercontemporain. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm obviously super excited for these wonderful musicians to, you know, be honored and acknowledged and encouraged to just keep doing what we're doing, to be an ambassador for the music of our time put all our hearts and love and craft into it. Um, yeah, I'm going to meet the King of Sweden on Monday, and I'm super excited. I hope I'm going to make my plane on Sunday out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> we'll work on that for sure. All the best to you. Alles Gute. So nice to meet you, and please come back soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.